today's Fearless Life Solutions interview call where we, we set up these uh, timely events, interviews with leading experts, business owners, entrepreneurs, people who want to change the world. And I'm really excited that to, today we have Ninon uh, who is uh, – man, there is a whole list uh, of, of this personality who is – she is just – really knocking it out of the park. I mean, Ninan has been, her passion, her passion is she is uh, rapidly increasing around the world interviewing people, um, doing keynote presentations. She's done high-end corporate staff um, consulting. She's done one-on-one -on -one consulting, some motivational speaking. She has a background in, in business and entertainment, um, producer, uh, you know, producer and television personality. Uh, she's just doing so much. And the reason why we have her on the call today is to uh, another example of where she started and where she's at now, how Ninon went from maybe in a state of fear and controlling it and breaking through it and, turning, and taking that step of faith to live the life that she's doing today. And I'm so excited because she's going to share with you not only some tips and strategies that you can apply in your life, but she's going to share her story about where she came from, how she got started, and what she does on a daily basis to condition her mind to continually have those breakthroughs. So without further ado, Nina, are you on the, are you on the line? Yes, I am. I'm here loud and clear. That was a great introduction. I was, I was turning my head and wondering, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so great to have you here with us and sharing your, 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 your time and your story with us and uh, your life experiences. So um, let's just dive right in. I, I want you, uh, my question to you first is tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, um, your story, where you came from, your background. Okay, I'm from, I'm, I'm from English descent. Obviously, I'm an American now. I became an American citizen some years ago. But I am British, uh, English actually. And I come from a, a very unusual background. Uh, my mother and father um, uh, were both in the antique business. My mother was an incredible painter and artist. My mother had many, many talents, though she was very quiet about them. And we never saw them, and, and uh, she never put them out there. But and then my father was an antique dealer, so I was brought up in the antique world as a, a very young girl. I used to go to the auctions with them. And auctions in those days in England, we would actually go to the house where they would be selling all these beautiful items. And they were manor houses and castles and all different places. And my dad would, you know, buy up different stuff and then resell it. And you know how that, that goes. That was his mm -hmm. business. And as much as I loved all that, my family decided not to send any of their children to school. So we were privately educated at home, which was quite a familiar thing in some families in England. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I, I decided at the ripe old age of 16 to leave home, and I did. I, I kind of packed up and got one little tiny room, which was the size of a box, but it didn't matter. And uh, I decided I was living in Torquay at that time, Torquay, Devon in England. And I wanted to live in London, because that's where the action was. And I, I don't know where I got it from, but I was one of these action people. I thought I was one of these action people, but, and I really am. But, um, so I had to work hard, because I had no money. I left home with three pounds in my pocket, which is equivalent of probably ten dollars. And I went and worked two jobs. I worked at a hotel, started as a waitress, and ended up managing the place at 16. 
And then from there at night, I will go down to my girlfriend's ballroom. They had a, four, a place called the 400 Ballroom. And I will, was down there being the cashier. And after being cashier, I would go up and bartend. And then after bartending, we had to clean this ballroom up, which was humongous. I mean, I, at that age, I thought it was humongous. Yeah. And um, I did. I earned enough money. I saved enough money. It took me one year. And that was definitely perseverance. And it was very little dating, if ever. But it was perseverance of doing what I wanted to do, and, and I did it. And and um, and I did move. And I even got a lift. I didn't even have to waste money on the fare going to London from Torquay because I didn't want to do that. My hard hard-earned money. So I went to uh, London. Got a friend to give me a lift up to London, and uh, I lived with my grandma for two years. Wow. That was the beginning. That was <laughs> the beginning of an incredible, uh, incredible journey. The single step. At, the, at those moments, you know, you talk about how you started. What was some of the dreams that you were that were taking place before you, you know, made that step to leave at 16? What were some of the things that were going on in your mind and some of the dreams and aspirations that you had? Well, the dreams that were going on in my mind, I, I didn't, at 16, I don't know if you really know the dreams. I, I knew that I wanted to get to London, and I, I knew that I wanted to have a better life than I had, and I wanted to experience, and... I had a sister, well, I still have a sister, but she was very, um, she was very a mama's girl and the whole bit. I was kind of a little bit left out, and so I figured that if I'm not loved and wanted her like I feel I should be, then I'm going. And I think I wanted to, I really had this thing in me to, to be a top model, and I wanted to be a model so badly. I, I did take a course in Torquay, and did very well. In fact, my, my first runway, my first runway that I did, which is, is modeling down the runway, I think I was like 15 and a half or 16. I wasn't, I was very young. I, think, I, I don't know if that was before I left home or after, but anyway, I think it was after I left home. And it was in Plymouth, and they chose me to be the bride. Okay. And I thought that was such an honor because I'd never done modeling on a runway before. And, and I thought, oh my goodness, they think I'm pretty enough to be a bride. And I always remember that. And, you know, and I just wanted to be the best I could. And from that step on, I definitely wanted to be a model. Mm. So that was my key thing to be. And, and I thought, if I want to be a model, I've got to dress this way and I've got to do this and oh, so many things. So I thought, and I needed money to get to London to do that. Mm, absolutely. You know, Nina, you, you bring up some great points about um, from that life experience. First, you had that desire to be a top model. And, you know, I want to ask you some key questions about how it felt at that time, but also what I want, some of the key things I want to bring up to our listeners is that you focus in on how you first you had the dream, but then you got some training. You got some training and education, and you took some steps forward to, and it, I'm sure it was small steps at first, and then the opportunity presented itself. How did it feel at that starting point you know, do, were there any were there any emotions of, you know, when or maybe when you got accepted, you know, as being that bride in that position, how did that feel, and did, you know, what was it like to take that first step, uh, you know, on the it, runway? It, it, it was terrifying. It was terrifying because I didn't have the clothes, but that I thought I needed to go to the class. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the clothes I wore were the best I could find for myself in my little tiny wardrobe. But the fear, because we didn't go to we did we didn't go to school. We were privately educated, so we did not mix with other kids, so and other people. So it was absolutely petrifying to me. And I, I don't know where I got this from, but 
I always felt when I was in a very uncomfortable position, I would put myself in that uncomfortable position again until I lost being uncomfortable. And so therefore, I would, I would, I would. I mean, I was petrified. I didn't know what to say to people. I didn't, I didn't know anything. But one thing I did know, I knew that if I didn't do this, then I couldn't go forward. And of course, this was the first time I'd ever been in a class with people. I didn't know what a class was. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. And so, I wanted to be the best I could. And you were asking me about that first step. That first step on the runway. I will, I will never forget it. And I had this, this young man next to me, which was probably 17, same age as me probably, and the two of us walking down the aisle and him in this tuxedo and myself in this incredible wedding gown was the most incredible, beautiful feeling mm. of that, that I kind of had achieved a goal I set out to at such a young age. And looking back on it, I think, cool, oh, where did I get the guts for that? Because <laughs> I wasn't that type of person. I was... I was so shy, but I did have a personality. I did. I was a little bit of a tom, tom boy, tom girl, whatever. <laughs> you know, Nina. One of the great things you shared, which I want to focus in on, was the fact that to overcome your fear, you did it. You faced your fear every time it came up. You did it, and, and you put yourself in that position until you broke through it. And it, it that is so important, especially to our listeners. Um, who are either just starting out in, in their business, maybe they're venturing off, and maybe they have a challenge in their life. And that's really the key, is that fear well, will never go away. It will just... Yeah, uh, it manifests. If you, if you don't challenge it, like anything, you know, people don't realize that they've got the most incredible brains, and, and we all have brains. The only problem is we don't use them because a lot of people out there um, can... can, can control that brain to a person that has this fear of presenting it or embarrassed by it or whatever the case may be that they're not good enough. A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't think they're good enough and they are good enough. And, but you've got to, you've got to overcome it. And, and I, I had a terrible time. But I, I guess it wasn't so bad because I, I kept doing things thinking I'm going to go there and do that because I'm not going to be embarrassed by it anymore. I'm going to get over this embarrassment. I'm going to get over this feeling. I didn't know it was fear. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I felt very awkward and very uncomfortable doing certain things, which was mixing with people and getting out there and being out there. So to get over it, I thought, I've got to get over this. And I would do things purposely mm. to put myself in that place. But we, we don't realize what a beautiful brain we have, and we don't use it. Absolutely. Nina, I want you to elaborate on one thing. You said you continually put yourself in that place. Um, share with us that when you continually put yourself in that place, what was the reason why? Was, what was, why would you put yourself in that place over and over again? Was it, was it the dream, the desire? Why should someone put themselves in that place over and over again? Um, for the desire you want has to be that strong to be where you want to be. And if you have a, a little cogwheel there in the way that's going to stop you, you've got to get rid of that. You have to get rid of that little instrument, that little something within you that's going to stop you from doing your dream or getting your dream or whatever the case may be. And that will stop you. 
until you try to overcome it. There's people out there that don't have this. They're fine. They're out there. But they might probably have other things. I don't know. But this is what I had. And I had to overcome this this problem of, of mixing with people, of talking to people. I didn't know what to say to people. I was, and then I would blush to the roots, you know, and then that was even worse, being blonde and blue-eyed. I looked like a little red hornet. <laughs> it, was, it was really... But, but I kept doing it. I, and I kept doing it until I wouldn't blush. I kept, and blushing um, was an insecurity of me, of me not being good enough or them looking at me and, think, and knowing that I didn't have an education and I didn't have this and... Whatever the case was of how my family had brought me up, because your family really put you into that place because the first 18 years of your life, it doesn't really belong to you, though you think it does. It really belongs to the court because if your mum and dad don't look after you, you are taken away and put in a foster home. So therefore, you are actually taken care of until you're 18 in this country. So you've got to do, you know, you have to do what they say you want them to do. And, and it, it becomes very awkward because it might not be what you want to do. But, you know, and, and if you haven't got reasonable parents, it's, it's even tougher. But um, it was hard for me, but I, I would not let go. And I wanted to be a top model. And I, <laughs> I also wanted to dress. I always wanted to be the perfect dresser. I, wanted, I had this thing in my head about um, having these cultured clothes you know, these boutique clothes and things. So what I used to do, I, I, when I lived with my grandmother, I immediately got a job in London so I wouldn't spend all my money. And then the first thing, the two things I did, first thing I did, I went and got photographs taken. And they were the most beautiful photographs and I thought they were horrible. And they were so gorgeous and they were so beautiful. I look at them now and think, you know, what were you thinking? They were absolutely beautiful. And then I used to make sure that I had the right clothes. So I would buy material and I'd literally make a dress so beautiful so that with someone or my boyfriend at that time on the dates, I was dating so many different people, I would be dressing, I would dress nicely so that's what they would take me to the nice restaurants and I wouldn't go to a little sloppy place. I would go to a nice place. My, my aim was always go to the best place. Mm. And if you're not dressed to go to the best place, they can't take you. So that was a young age. It was very, very important to me is how I spoke, how I ate, how I, and I made sure everything was right. People ask me today, well, how did you learn it? I said, well, I look, waited, looked at other people. That's but my dad was very good at bringing us up with manners and things, so that wasn't too much of a problem. Yeah. But it was perseverance to be, the, to be a number one model, which I was. I became a number one model in London. I did very, very well. Fantastic, fantastic. And you know, one thing that I want to point out to our listeners is that you actually took the resources that you had. You didn't have everything. You didn't have everything when you got started. You actually no. worked with with what you had at that time, and you made the best of it. You 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 sought out who was the best. You modeled them. You you mirrored what they did, and you focused on becoming better. That personal growth, which is where you got yourself today. I mean, really, you've built a business and you're an entrepreneur. Tell us a little, little bit about your business today, uh, how you got started in that business and its mission. Well, how I, got, I first got started um, in modeling, obviously. We went off through that did all that. I ended up getting an, taking another risk. I, I, I had an audition to do a job in Beirut. And everybody said, you can't go to Beirut. And I said, yes, I can. I, le I went and I did and I conquered and I came back. And I did a lot of that. Went to Miami, did more modeling, more filming. And then I went into acting, which was <laughs> even, you know, that was really tough because there was a little shy thing going into acting. So anyway, that was fine. But what I'm, the reason I, I started, um, started a program called Kids Talk. It was, um, and the show was actually called Kids Talk. 
and Kistor Productions. And I started this show. And the reason I started it and wrote it was because I wanted to give, I wanted to give the younger generation the opportunity of my experience so that they could they, they don't have to be inhibited. That they can do anything they, they like. And if, if I could do it, they could do it. So I had experienced it. And I didn't need a book to read. I didn't need anything. I could just sit, sit there and tell stories after story after story. So giving these children, these young people, I interviewed children from 11 years old to 18, sometimes older, sometimes younger. And I gave them a voice. I gave them a voice which is very, very important. And I don't know how many children I help, but I hope it's a lot. Even if it's one, it's a lot. But it was giving them the opportunity to voice their opinions, and there was no judgmental going on. I never judged them. It didn't matter what they were. Whatever they were, they, everybody has something. Everybody has a dream. Everybody has something. And I wanted to get that out there because of what I went through was so hard for me. And, and I thought, I don't want other children to go through that. I want them to know that they are somebody. And... I wanted the children, um, the young people, to actually voice their opinions so that their, their peers could listen to them and not listen to somebody like me. I asked the questions, the kids gave the answers. So therefore, kids could listen to kids and they, they understand that better than coming for a parent, which they, they, they don't like to listen to anywhere, an older person they don't want to listen to. And so that's why I did that, because I really wanted to give that opportunity and I did that for 15 years um, in different places. I, I, I did shows in, in Peru. I did shows in Geneva. I was at the United Nations at Geneva. Um, I, I don't know how it happened, but a lot of doors opened up. A lot of opportunities opened up. And, and truly, everybody was so good to me and giving me these opportunities to be in these wonderful, wonderful, um, influential places to actually do my show. And it, it just was amazing how it all worked. And, and up until, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I actually won 102 awards um, for the show we did. And that was in recognition. I actually got, I got two awards from President Bush, which was really lovely. One was from the production company wow. and one was for myself. And I thought that was really such an honor. But I, I just um, I've had the luck of everybody. I tell you, I've been so lucky, so lucky. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know, it's you can obviously tell it's a passion of yours to give that voice, to give that voice it, to, to children it, around the world. And it always will be. And then also through that, I found it. Um, oh, I couldn't raise money for the Kids Talk Productions. Um, people wanted a show where they could make money off kids, and I said, no, I don't want to make money off kids. I'm, I'm trying to give kids something. I don't want to take it from them. I'm going to give them. So I had to start the uh, Kids Talk Foundation. So I started the foundation, and that ended up incredibly well. We actually um, were able to film out of Juvenile Hall. We actually took our cameras in. I broke the red tape. God, I was so happy. Broke the red tape by taking the cameras into Juvenile Hall. We did about five or six shows in different juvenile halls and got the kids to speak out of being actually in there, that are there for six months, a year, whatever the case may be. And that was amazing getting that out then. Of course, we won awards for that. And then the foundation um, had another young lady, Kathleen Tucker, that helped um, with, with starting a, um, a feeding probe, an educational program in Africa, mm. in Nairobi, in uh, Kakamega. And we, we, I think it's, we have about 1,000 kids there right now that we feed and clothe and educate and do all that wow. stuff. But 
wow. it was a it was not a challenge it just came in it, it just you know it just worked it worked and i think it i think it worked because of i think how it all worked was because of of my direction staying focused and being very very positive there was not there was not can i do this show it was who am i going to do the show with that there was no such thing as not doing it absolutely there was a thing of, yes, I'm going to do it. And I had the greatest celebrities and people that I interviewed and people I saw and people that helped and everything. It was amazing. Absolutely. And that is a key principle that we focus on um, you know, at Fearless Life Solutions. Our focus is not to have the mindset that not if or when or should I or could I, it's that mindset of when. It's that well, that's of, it. Mm, absolutely. That's it. You've got to, you can't, when in doubt, be in doubt. Mm -hmm. I can remember a story. I was driving a car. A friend of mine had to fly up to somewhere and bring some, a mother down, and the car wasn't working that well. So I called up the son, and I said, the car won't go in reverse. And he said to me, well, never mind. You're only going forward. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that was, you know, I thought that was really quite funny. Uh, but that's so true. You know, that is, you, you are moving forward, and, and don't let these little things get in your way. It doesn't mean you have to be rude to people or unkind to people, but surround yourself. I mean, if you're trying to get some money from a foundation, don't go to a foundation that doesn't have money, because if they get money coming in, they're going to keep it themselves. So always go to, to uh, in the direction of where you need to go. Right. And, you know, during that journey, you know, you've gone through so many experiences, and I know there have been roadblocks. I know there have been, uh, you know, brick walls that you've had to climb over and hurdles and challenges. Can you share with us one of the biggest challenges that you had, and how did you feel about it, and how did you overcome it? Oh, yes, I can. Actually, it was when I started Kids Talk. Um, I was married at the time, and before I got married and met my husband, I was a very independent young lady. I had made myself that way. Mm. And I met my husband, and I definitely wanted to be married, and I definitely wanted to be a wife, and I definitely wanted to do all that. And I was gung-ho, absolutely incredible. And in 1996... Had already had only written Kids Talk, the synopsis, and it stayed on the shelf. And in '96, I decided I wanted to do it. And I, I know one of the biggest challenges was my husband was very—I don't want to say possessive—he was Italian and he, he liked me around all the time. But I felt um, I felt I was losing Ninon's identity, mm. and I wanted to keep my marriage, and I also wanted to keep my identity as a person. And so I started. Kids talk, and it was the toughest thing going through because I was filming in Santa Monica. My husband and I had a, a very large um, shopping center in Paris, uh, which is down by Riverside. Mm -hmm. And so I was with, I had, I had to be on set in Santa Monica, all dressed up for my first show at 9.30 in the morning. And my husband wanted me with him that night, which was a Friday night, and trying to, trying to get through to him what I wanted to do and trying to get this challenge and trying to keep him happy and what I wanted to do and, and keep my marriage, I think was one of the hardest times. And it, was, it probably went for about two or three months like that. 
of trying to keep him happy and trying to do what I needed to do and, and staying strong and then getting onto the camera as if nothing had happened. <laughs> wow. wow. And it was like, will I ever get this done? And it, I'm, I'm not going to say he was jealous, but I guess he was. I don't know, but it was so, it was, oh, maybe I just manifested this thing into what it became, but I don't think so. And it was such a challenge. That was a challenge. We talk about challenges, that, and I think many, many women go through that, and, and they must not be in fear of that. They, they must not, they can still keep their marriage. They don't have to have, I didn't have any arguments with my husband. I, I kept it as calm as, and serene as possible. Yeah. Because one manifests into another, then another, and it manifests into something that you really didn't want in the beginning, and I certainly didn't want that. So... It, it, I, I was very gingerly moving around. <laughs> but it was worth it because I maintained my marriage. Yes. I got my kids taught. But that, that was one of the biggest um, challenges I think that I had to ever go through and, and keeping it together. And mm -hmm. I think that was it, keeping it together. Keeping it together. You know, Nina, you bring up another great, uh, you know, a hurdle for a lot of folks, whether it's a man or a woman, and they get started in a desire, a dream, a new business venture. And, I mean, how great it is to have that other person that's supportive. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen all the time. Your significant other isn't always supportive or no. you know, backing you up 100%. And you know, it's, it's the mindset that you have during that challenge and that struggle. Let me ask you this. At those, at those deep moments where you know maybe there wasn't 100% support, what mindset, what did you say to yourself? Was there a book that you read? What was it for you? Was it a thought process? What was it for you that helped you overcome that challenge and continue to move forward? It was a thought process. You know, when you say something to someone and it's going to be rather um, a little different, say it to yourself first and see how you perceive it, mm. and, which is hard to do, but would you like someone to say what you're about to say to you? So you reverse it. So I was very careful in how I used my words. Words, words can be very, very damaging, and worth can also be the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't take words back, and you can't take sort of actions back. Actions are a little not so hard, but words, once you've said something and done something, you, you cannot take that back. And I think it's, it's very important, the respect we have, um, and this is why we have so many divorces, because they both get arguments and get all up in the air. You don't have to take on somebody else's personality or mode. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do that. If somebody, I mean, if somebody would ask me a question, I don't sometimes have to answer that if I don't want to. Most people feel they have to answer and they have to go along. And I think marriage or not marriage or just singles or whatever the case may be, I think if you, if you carry it out dignified, and you carry it out with courage, and you carry it out with honesty mm -hmm. yeah. and trust. I'm, I'm, I will trust anybody in this world until they prove themselves otherwise. And they have to prove it, not me. Absolutely. 
you know, they have to prove. So I think that's yeah. core, core of what it is. It's trust. Be careful the words you use. Mm. And if you really, really want it, you can have it. Mm. Absolutely. It, it sounds there to me the, undine, the, the undercurrent of that, of what you just explained was communication. It's key how you communicate. And you, you are a master of communication. When you're, you're even, not only do you communicate well with others, but you're actually being a voice, as you said earlier, for, uh, for children, the, 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 the people of tomorrow and uh, the future generations uh, and how to communicate their voice. That's really an important factor. It, it, it's very important. And I, and I think it's, it's sort of, you know, the greatest thing. I absolutely love one of my key loves is obviously children. And my heart goes out to the children always. But also, I love helping people. I really like it. I really enjoyed it. I was helping a girl this morning. She had a big problem. And she said, oh, Nina, and she said, thank you so much. She said, now, and I said, don't fear. Just be honest with what you want, what you see, and just say it nicely, gently, and put the ball in their court because it is in their court. And I said, and, and you're going to help both sides. And both of you are going to be happy on the outcome. And she was so grateful, but I was so excited to be able to help her. Absolutely. And, you know, one, one key thing that you mentioned to her was do not fear. Ninan, what do you think is the biggest myth that most people have about fear? Themselves. They fear themselves. They fear themselves. They fear rejection. Mm. They fear that they might look stupid. Um, when somebody comes on with a very flamboyantly and all sort of out there, it's the same as somebody being reserved. And I think it's just being fearful of yourself and not having that beautiful inner divine feeling of who you are. And I've always said, <laughs> stand in your, in your bathroom, wherever, look in the mirror, and love yourself. I don't care if you're fat, you're ugly, I don't care what color you are, I don't care anything about what you are. Love yourself within. You've got this, everybody out there, we're all different, we're all, we've all got something different going on. Every single fingerprint in the entire world is different. So that makes us different. So... Love yourself. I think that's a fear people have. They're, they're insecure. I went through it, right? but I didn't let it get me. Mm-hmm. I didn't let the fear get me. I, 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 I kind of, um, maybe I was a different type of person. I don't think so. I think we're all the same. But I think it's the challenge. But I think it's, that's all we have. I mean, we have cars and furniture and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's not us. We are just a human being wandering around, trying to make something of ourselves. And everybody has that entitlement. What, what do you think, Nina, is the biggest mistake that people make when dealing with their own fear? You gave some great pointers on, on what to do, but what do you think is their biggest mistake and how to control it like you have? Not telling the truth. Not telling the truth. I think not telling the truth of, of, um, of what they really want and who they really are. And people seeing through it, and people understanding who they are, because you know the truth is like oil; it always comes to the top. Mm. And when you you when you don't tell the truth, you're you're actually you're not lying to the person you're telling it to. You're actually lying to yourself. And now you have to live with it. 
And when you live with it, that's living in fear. And when you're living in fear, you cannot come across correctly to whatever you do. Mm. Because you've always got that, you're always <laughs> looking over your shoulder and you're always, you know, you're always trying to make it better and you're always trying to get rid of it and it never goes. And the only time it ever goes is, I'm a bit of a believer, well, I'm a big believer in God and prayer and all that stuff. Um, I don't have to go to church to do that. And mm. I don't think, a lot of them want to bring religion into it, but I think it's a beautiful thing. But I think um, when you do certain things to, to people, and you can't look, go a straight line. There's no, I can walk out anywhere. And I, I tell a lot of people, go into your bedroom, because to me your bedroom is one of the most sacred places in your house. Mm. Go in there and sit on the bed. Don't meditate. Don't do anything. Just sit there. Yeah. Just sit there. And just drain your complete body of everything and find out who, you, who am I. What am I? And I think when you, when you put <laughs> 10 minutes into yourself, why not? Absolutely. In, in that way, which is finding out, you know, the mistakes I make. And, mm -hmm. and if, I'm, if I can't get on, why can't I get on? If this doesn't work, why is this not working? So there's another thing that people must, must change. They, they, they have to, that, that's another stumbling block. They're stubborn and don't be stubborn. Change, change a little bit, bend a little bit. Wow! I think that is great. That I'm over here taking notes. I mean, that is. <laughs> I know, I know. Our listeners are truly enjoying this because that is something that it's true. I mean, honesty, um, integrity pays off, and also the just the fact of taking that time by yourself, clearing out everything out. It doesn't have to be meditation. It can or it can't be. But it's that, that peaceful place. Yeah don't, put them in, yeah, don't put them into, you don't want to put, put you know, our, our audience and our, our people into a place where they've got to do something. They, nothing. I mean, I think if you have a bedroom, make your bed. You can spend six hours hopefully each night in there, maybe longer, maybe less. But, this has to be the most tranquil place in your entire house. So make it beautiful. Make it, make it feel like you really want to go there and you really want to relax and you really want to do however you do it by yourself or with your husband or with your kids. And this is like the place. I mean, little kids, when, when you all go to bed at night, they go to their bed. Well, what do they do first thing in the morning? Jump up and run into mommy and daddy's bedroom. Yes. That creates the family. That creates them. And that's where they have security. And that's how things stem from. So it's, it's definitely um, give yourself some time, yes. you know? Not in the car, not driving, not, none of that, not on the phone. <laughs> right. Right. Too, many, uh, too many crazy things can happen while you're driving. Yeah. Uh, you can't think are, straight anyway. Yeah. Those are some great, great tips, and thank you for sharing those. Um, you know, you've done you've done uh, so many things in in, in in your entrepreneurial life and um, some business you've started. I do want you to share with the listeners. Um, I know there's one thing that you've created a a hotline uh, for folks. I would like you to share a little bit about that, and also where can people go to find out more about you and also the foundation. 
Um, is there a website or a phone yeah, number? Or yeah, the, the, the several things. Um, I'm very easy to get to, and I don't mind my phone number being out there, 310-867-5959. But they can really get all my information on my website, which is www.ninonspeaks.com. There's all sorts of um, shows on there. I have an internet show. I have two internet shows, actually, right now. I've been doing for a couple of years. One is my own, Ninon Speaks. And anybody who would like to uh, come on it, email me. You'll find the email on the website. Um, and then there's another one I do. It's called Living Consciously, which I'm very much aware of, Living Consciously, and, and how we live, and what we do, and what we say, and what we think, and how divine we are. And um, then I also wrote a book. I wrote a book oh, called wow. Joyful Volunteering. And um, that's all about volunteering and giving your life to different charities and different things, which is always a comfort zone of being able to help somebody else that has less than you or somebody that needs some help mentally or physically or whatever the case may be. You can help them, especially the older people and the younger people or whoever. And then I, have a, um, I started out in real estate with my husband. So I've got three decades of real estate behind me which is commercial and residential. Uh, I'm living in Las Vegas at the moment because I have um, residential and commercial real estate here. So I've decided to live in Vegas and take care of it. And that's amazing. Through that, I had to do some modifications on some of my property, which went very, very well. Some did and some didn't. And uh, I started a program called Three Easy Steps to a Modification Loan Mortgage. Mm. And that's where people can actually um, find out how to do. And it is three simple steps of what to do and how to start your modification. And anybody can do it. You don't need a lawyer. You don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. Just listen to what I have to say on my, and that's on my website. That's on also at Nino Speaks website. But I've also got um, nddproperties.com website as well. You can see it there. Okay. And um, what else have I got? Oh, I, no, you're going to crack up. Again? I'm sorry? The, what was the real estate website again? The property oh, it's www.nddproperties.com. Okay. You can go there. And I've been doing real estate for years, so that's one thing I know extremely well. And through all these different programs in real estate, um, I've now gone into partnership with another gentleman that's actually doing my internet TV show with me and living consciously with me, which is Steve Toth. And we've put together a, a new program which is coming out. We're actually putting the website together this week, and it's called Credit Cleaned Up. And we're going to start cleaning up people's credit. Wow. And to help them with their credit. Because if they want to buy a car or whatever they want to buy or they want to buy another home and their credit isn't good, we can clean it up for them. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and is that, do you have the website readily available? Maybe our listeners would want to go to that. To, you know, uh, not as yet, but I'll tell you what, they can go to nddproperties.com. Okay, okay. And that's a place where they'll be finding it. It should be out, I'm thinking the end of this week or next week, we'll definitely have something up on the website for sure. Absolutely for sure. Fantastic. We'll have something up. And it's, not the, it's all done legally, so it's not that I personally do the credit. It all has to be done through different government places where it has to be cleaned. So it's done properly, it's done the right way, and their credit is definitely cleaned up. Great. Wow. Of course, it, it depends on, on, on the extreme of it, but you know, most of it is cleaned up. That's great. You know, over the, in our interview time here together uh, during this call, is one thing, and I think all our listeners can agree, is that one thing that we hear over and over from you uh, is contribution and giving. You know, oh, you, 
continuously giving back over and over again. And I want to I wrap up this call with, with that question, a question for you. Is many people, uh, especially in, in, in our, our listeners and our community, um, do have a desire to give back to others. Um, at first, we find that they struggle with maybe helping themselves first. Nina, how could you shed some light on this? Um, is what would be the best solution to, for someone who wants to contribute, but maybe they feel they, you know, maybe financially can't contribute at the time? What do you think is the best option, or what should they do to start contributing like you have? I think it's the, um, the first step. And I, I have a saying mm. that you have to die sometimes to start all over again. So sometimes you've got to take a couple of steps back and think who you are. But I think you do not need money um, to volunteer or give back. You actually don't need anything but yourself. Mm. And if you've got some time in the day of just you know, wandering down to the children's boys and girls club or any place in your area, um, I think what people will, the fear is, a lot of people are very shy and the fear of going into a place that they think they're not good enough for, well, just to go in and volunteer and to give your time of saying, what would you like me to do? What, how would you like me to do it? Because that's how it kind of works. Just saying those words make you go home and you will feel on top of the world. So giving back, I never did it for that reason. I did it because <laughs> I did it. I, I just like, it's very selfish of me. I truly 100% like helping people. It may be something within me. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I just see them and I, I look and I think, no, don't do it that way. And I'll jump in. I'll say, well, if you do it this way, it'll work. And, da, 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 da. and I think some people are afraid to jump in and, and afraid, they're afraid of their own shadow. You know? And I think they will, be so, they, will, they will be so amazed at how they will feel after they do it. But it's taking that first step. And, and to take that, that first step, it's like if the sun isn't shining on you, then move to wow. where the sun is and it will shine on you. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And, and I was on your website earlier today and I saw on your website that you have a large statement where it says nothing happens without you. Yes, nothing that's happens correct. Without you. That's yeah, that's one of my big statements. Nothing, happen, nothing happens without you, without you, without me, without them, without anybody. You cannot do anything alone. Nothing happens. Mm. Wow. Wow. You have shared, shared so many gems in, uh, in this conversation. And not only – I'm truly appreciative. I know others um, will be as well, and I'm sure they'll email you and contact you. And thank you. Thank you so much because these, these uh, truths that you've shared, these gems are going to not only uh, – they're going to touch so many people's lives, um, which, again, contributes to your uh, generosity and wanting to give back to more people. I'm going to give you just one little thing that I do that just happened accidentally. Um, I believe it was in Kafka, um, Oklahoma, I believe. I'm not sure where it was. I was introduced um, – to a young lady that has elephantitis, mm. and which makes her not look pretty and makes her awkward and all the whole bit. And I was just talking to her because I didn't see what everybody else saw. Mm-hmm. And that was um, four years ago. And we're still friends. I write to her. Well, she writes to me more than I write to her, but she writes to me. 
who sends me beautiful little cards and beautiful little somethings. And I'm probably one of a very few, if any, if she has people in this world that actually take her for what she is, and that's friendly, but actually continues. And I, I actually make the time to give her a little card and put a little something in there for her and let her know I love her. And I, I think what I, I would like to say that don't be afraid of the word love. Mm. It's not only in a marriage of two people falling in love. The word love is a very, very big word out there. And don't be afraid to use it or to say it or to give it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you. Powerful. Powerful. You are truly an angel. Thank you for sharing that. It's been a pleasure, a pleasure and an honor to have you on this call tonight. And uh, I know many people are going to, many people that you've already touched, and you're not only going to, not only are you going to touch people today in this this modern era, but also your name is going to live on. Well, thank you so much (laughs) again. I really appreciate your time, and uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.